0: You're listening to the Falcha Ireland Inside Tourism Business Podcast, the definitive podcast for tourism operators, bringing you expert advice, insights and practical tools to help you navigate the challenges your business is facing.
1: My name is Ruth Hegarty and I'm your host for the first series of Faultier Ireland's new podcast, where we delve inside food, examining trends, innovations and tackling costs to help you run a leaner, more successful food operation. Welcome back to the Inside Tourism Business Podcast. In our first episode of the Inside Food series, we looked at consumer trends. Today, in episode two, we will discuss the practice of menu engineering and examine how businesses can innovate their menus for profit. Chef and food consultant Nile Hill of Nile Hill Foods is back with us in this episode to offer his expert advice on the science of menu engineering and Niall is joined by Fergus O'Halloran, Managing Director of Galway's award winning 12 Hotel, who has kindly agreed to share his experiences. Hi, Niall, Fergus, thanks for being with us today.
2: Hi, Ruth. Hi, Fergus. Ruth, Niall, good to see you.
1: As I said, now last week we we spoke about the trends that have emerged, and I suppose the changes in in consumer behaviour that we've seen from COVID, and how businesses need to be aware of those trends and need to adapt to them. And so, one of the areas that we're going to dive into in in a bit more detail now is focusing on menu design and menu engineering, with the view to really, I suppose, increasing efficiency and profitability. So, to kick us off, can you kind of Fill us in. I suppose what exactly is menu engineering?
0: Yeah, sure, Luke. I guess what it is really—it's a tool that businesses use, and the main—the main aim of menu engineering is to maximise a business profitability by subconsciously encouraging customers to buy what they want them to buy the, in the area of high profit dishes on the menu uh, and the ones that have the best contribution margin. So it's a real—it's—it's. It's, it's really kind of selling what you want to sell. Uh, so those hero dishes that you know you're selling volume and you're also getting a really high margin. So in the terms of profitability, uh, menu engineering could make the difference between a business uh, becoming one that fails or, or one that grows from strength to strength. And it's kind of broken down into kind of four different areas. So you, you'd look at you know high volume, high margin. So they're the dishes that you want to keep on your menu, and they they're, they're strategically put on the menu in the sweet spots so that so that you encourage customers to buy them. Then you've got high volume and low margin. So, these are dishes that are telling you that need to be almost redeveloped. So, why is it not achieving that margin? Then you've got low volume and high margin. So, these are particularly dishes that, you know, they're not selling well, but they have a good margin. So, you know, it's having a look at maybe a rechange in, in a rechange of the name or an ingredient. Um, and then you've got uh, low margin and uh, low volume. And these are areas for innovation. So, this is telling you. Where you need to do new product development and delist these dishes, so that's it in a nutshell
1: okay, so the the concept of menu engineering is is quite different from menu development then.
0: Absolutely. If you have a look at uh, menu engineering, th- there's more of a scientific approach uh, to the design that drives better sales. So, you know, from a visual perception, it's linked to how customers read a menu. So the concept is that the customers are mo- most likely uh, to read the first and last thing they see on a menu. So the, the strategic placement of items uh, is referred to the menu sweet spot. So this can vary with your menu setup. So uh, I'm not sure uh, what your menu is set up, uh, Fergus. Is it is it a single menu? Is it a bifold or a threefold? So there is sweet spot Spots. and in menu engineering it's there's a term called golden triangle and it's it's you know customers look at the top left top right, and the center so these are areas that you want to strategically put your main, your your best selling high profit menu, uh, menu items in and then from a menu development point of view like this this is your this is your new product development so when you have a look at and analyse your menu from a re-engineering point of view, uh, it's telling you the dishes that need to be delisted. And this is where you, you keep on developing your uh, dishes. And this can be uh, from name changes to really totally revamping the menu. So that's that's the main difference, uh, Ruth.
1: Okay, so I suppose looking at that kind of scientific approach to to your engineering, then you can, as you said, you can drive profitability, but you can kind of, can you also kind of incorporate driving efficiencies? And I suppose how do you, meet consumer demands at the at the same time.
0: I guess it can do, yeah. And I think what the trends are at the moment is you're seeing a lot more chefs uh, supporting the local supplier. So, you know, from an innovation point of view, like if you're, if you're calling um, your local supplier or farmer and saying, okay, well, what ingredients do you have at the moment? How can I, how can I help you to help me? It it creates innovation because if you're, if you're, if you're cooking seasonal and you're not depending on imports, it drives you in your innovation. And I think innovation is, is key. But what it also does is it drives efficiencies because you can, you can prepare ingredients that can be uh, used cross-functional throughout your menu so that automatically drives efficiencies in, and especially in the labour cost. All
1: right that's really really interesting and so I'm fascinated with what you're telling us about you know the, the first and last thing on the menu and this concept of the golden triangle so talk talk a little bit more about the importance of menu layout and design and how how that can be done to, to optimise sales.
0: Yeah um, I guess when you have a look at color and there's been a lot of science um, put behind this is that you know people respond emotionally to color so they so I would say you know if you're if you're a restaurant and you're a seafood restaurant then you know a light blue in your menu design and and even in your menu concept itself reinforces what you do like the likes of bright colors like red yellow and orange like they capture uh, the attention and trigger appetite and then you can also match uh, that color scheme to your restaurant but the likes of green and tan and brown you know that's more organic and that can be linked to farm and table so if your concept is a farm and table so you can uh, you can automatically link it to that and then as far as the likes of your say a dessert menu so you know there's a lot of science out there saying that you should always uh, offer a separate dessert menu because people are more likely to skip a starter because the first thing they see is dessert so they'll have a main course in dessert so you're not optimizing your sales that way so it's always better from a design and a layout point of view to offer a menu don't offer your dessert menu at the start so they don't see that and it's a separate menu
1: so, Fergus, to come to you, I, I think that your breakfast menu is yellow, is it? So you must be doing something right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I, I, I love this stuff. Uh, like layout to me, uh, just to kind of, I guess, put the, the 12 in perspective. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here. So anybody who's not familiar, we, we have West Restaurant and there's the Pins Gastro Bar, there's Pizza to Zena, there's our bakery shop. We've got our 12 at home drive through offering now, as well as the online shop. So... Like, it's, it's vital that we get it right because that's going to impact greatly on our profit margin. So, like, be it stationary or be it dig, digital collateral, we're presenting up to like 14 different menus visually to our guests, you know, and all of these they are printed in house so that we can, you know, straight away change our menus. We have to get it right. So, like, I've, I've always been a strong proponent of the whole psychology aspect behind the menu engineering and just the layout of the menu. Like the golden triangle that Niles talking about, it is, yeah, it's applied to our breakfast mat. While, for instance, then on our other menus, which are presented horizontally or vertically, we'll indicate what we call the the stars or the puzzles at the top of the menu or perhaps at the bottom of the menu. Like these are the high profit, high selling items or the high profit that perhaps are lower selling items. It, you know, in the vertical layout, it's harder to do, but that's in team with our restaurants. So the breakfast mat is nice in the sense that it's, it's casual and it suits breakfast time. But then when our dinner menus and all the menus come into play, we can't really use the golden triangle. But, you know, I work with the metric that I guess when they come in, they're going to decide pretty well within two minutes what it is they're going to choose. So, like our top performers have to stand out on the menu. The design so, itself. Um, Fergus, um, yeah.
0: just just a quick question. So, your your top performers. How do you how do you kind of how do you draw your guests' attention to them? Is it are they boxed in in any way? Are they in bowls? Like you know, what's your, what's your strategy when you're looking for the sweet spot on your menu?
2: Yeah, well, it's it's identifying. I guess firstly, it's measuring, measuring. So identifying what our top performers are. So we have to know the food cost of each item, its contribution margin, the overall food cost, uh, and decide where it is, who those dishes are, where where they'll be presented. In terms of boxing, yes, we will use some bolding. We will place them on the top. They'll perhaps be described as signature dishes. They'll be giving an extra flourish, perhaps, over other dishes on the menu that, you know, someone is attracted to them. But it's also crucial that our our servers, because at the end of the day, all the work that I put in behind the scenes into into analyzing, that has to be conveyed to the whole team. They have to understand the methodology behind it as well, uh, because they're ultimately going to be the measure of the success of the work that I do.
1: So I suppose to take that, that, that kind of approach to, to menu, menu engineering and think about some of the things we spoke about in the last episode around the the emerging trends. I suppose, first of all, just the impact of, of COVID-19 in general, Nile, do you think that it has changed the or the approach to menu engineering needs to change as a result?
0: Yeah, I I think, you know, historically, it's, it's, it's been about maximizing your profitability, but there's so much more to it now. And it's, it's taking into, into context, customers preference while, you know, while also considering, you know, the amount of menus that you have now. And so does it, you know, it's really kind of looking at cross-functional menus. So you could have, you know, dine in, you could have outdoor, you could have to go, and then you could have delivery. So, you know, these, you, you can't, put so much pressure onto a kitchen to develop so many different menus so you're really looking at approaching it from a strategic point of view as well as well as a profitability so you know driving that efficiencies throughout your business because you know we we, we also have to mind uh, our labor cost as well and we have to make things that, that are efficient within the kitchen so you want to keep the quality so you don't want a huge range so you got to tighten that up uh, and Fergus, you'll probably understand that with we're having 14 menus that you have to offer that you know there is an element of 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 uh, dishes that you develop that are cross-functional that can go right through the business and and even base recipes that are a part of so many different dishes so you're making it once um and then it's taking into into consideration uh, the different services like you know dine-in is is slightly different to your to go uh, and even to your delivery delivery so delivery really you have to be designing dishes that have scalability that you can do on scale
1: yeah, absolutely. And like Fergus, you mentioned earlier the, the range of different offerings that you have at the Twelve in terms of your different your different restaurant formats and the the food that you do. And then of course the additions that that came into that during uh the COVID period and some that you've you've kept on and maybe possibly will continue. So maybe talk us a little bit through that and how that has impacted how you've kind of approached menu engineering as like Niall spoke about have you had to really think a lot more about the kind of cross functionality of some of your your dishes or ingredients uh just to to reflect the ability to deliver all of that and the labor available in the kitchen and so on
2: well yeah god it's it's hard to believe we're coming up in a year now but it was like March the 18th I guess that we decided we'd close the restaurants and overnight then we we switched to the takeout as a as a drive-through function on the Thursday. After that, like our immediate focus really at that time was to keep a core team employed, you know, to use up all the stock that we had in the hotel because we didn't know where this was going, you know, and and really to keep everyone safe at the same time. So that's really how the drive-through developed. You know, we we had to still keep offering what no, no matter what it was that we did, it had to be on par with our brand. So with that in mind, after the first week of sales, when, when we were able to kind of analyze how things were going, we realized we really had something that was sustainable and that we could grow it. You know, then we kind of changed to, our impetus changed now to, okay, how can we support our suppliers more? So the menu evolved around those principles of engineering. Um, You know, we still had to cost every dish. We had to now add the cost of the containers that they were going into. We had to look at every menu item. Uh, so and ensure that when it went up on the pass, on the kitchen pass, that by the time it got to somebody's home, that it was still high quality. So the dishes had to be deliverable. So that was exciting. It was, it was challenging. You know, it, it, it forced us to really dig deep. But like as, the wind, as the weeks kind of went on and all the data started coming through on what it was that was selling and what people were enjoying, we started to ask our guests, you know, what they would like to see and you know this was new to us so we listened to them and that became kind of how we developed the menus going forward. But then again, you know, the stars and the puzzles, all of that was intrinsic to I guess keeping our profit margins because there was no no point in just being busy at the end of the day, like turnover is vanity and profit is sanity. So we we on from there. Like fast forward I guess then to this week. You know, we've got a five-course menu offering going out from West Restaurant. We've stress-tested that for profit for its deliverability of each of the dishes. The presentation, we've sourced special boxes to present it in. We've put a cap on the numbers to be sold. So that helps us with the amount of produce that we're ordering in. Plus, it also creates that need from a guest to order it now uh, because it's in limited supply. And, you know, we can only hope that it sells out this weekend. Uh, But it's looking good.
1: Were you doing some outdoor dining during the summer and how did you kind of adapt for that or how how, how well did that work for you in terms of did you need to change your approach to, to menu items or? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, we, we opened up what we call noon last July and there we wanted to kind of create a kind of a Parisian feel around our courtyard and, and effectively came back the tables that we'd lost due to social distancing inside in the Pins Gastro Bar. So, you know, that went very well. But, you know, we learned as well from it because initially we created a, a kind of a micro menu, again, another kind of a micro menu with a lighter style kind of afternoon style light dishes. But after a short while, it became evident that all the guests that were out on our courtyard, they wanted to dine from the main menu in the gastro bar. So yeah, we we changed. But the beauty of it as well was that all of our menus now were linked electronically via QR codes. So for me, it was very easy. I wasn't bound by the size of paper anymore, by, by the stationary collateral. So I could create any style of menu I wanted digitally and people would link to that. So therefore again I guess I was given the opportunity to highlight my my stars, you know.
1: And and Niall, would you consider that there's particular things that need to, to, to be taken into consideration for out- outdoor dining in, in your engineering of your menus?
0: Yeah, I I, I believe there is Ruth. I think, you know, it's kind of touching on what Fergus was saying is is you know, what he's learned over the summer is, is that, you know, people wanted what was on the other menu. And I think, you know, if you can kind of link your menus together, it, it does drive efficiencies. But if you simplify it for, for outdoor dining as well. And there's also, you know, you can take into consideration, you know, barbecuing in the summer outside, you know, it, it, it you know, you can have chefs actually cooking and serving as well. So it, it creates a real live theater towards outdoor dining. And I, I agree with you, Fergus. I think it's going to be on the increase.
1: So to come to kind of I suppose a key a key meal and a key dining opportunity for for hotels, uh, breakfast and Fergus the Twelve is a hotel, so obviously breakfast is, is a big element. And you do I think some things that are quite unique with with breakfast. But I mean it's been it's been probably one of the biggest areas of of change for for hotels with the COVID restrictions. Obviously the breakfast buffet has has gone by the board. Um, from the from your point of view in the Twelve, did you have to make Changes to your breakfast offering and how how did that oh, yeah. impact on on you and what how did you approach it?
2: Yeah, well, look, I mean, breakfast has always been our most important meal of the day. It's it's part of our brand, uh, so. Like from, from day one, we, we offered an a la carte cooked to order breakfast route uh, for all of our guests staying in the hotel. Plus, we were also open to the public for breakfast. So, you know, in terms of men- menu engineering, all, all of these considerations were taking into place. When the, when the breakfast offering had to change due to COVID, the only changes we really had to make was our continental offering, which was laid out on long tables. And there you had all the usual bakery, pastries, juices, cereals, etc. Um, We decided, okay, how can we now present this to the guests at the table? So we sourced a nice little presentation stand and created a smaller offering that was brought to every table. Now, that helped us greatly because, firstly, I guess the amount of food waste that we're always very conscious of was. instantly diminished and we even asked people at the table if they'd like to have that offering so some actually refused and says no we're fine we'll just have the cook breakfast so there again profits help went up the next change we made was that we we closed to the public because we had to be very mindful now of social distancing and we had to ensure that the guests staying with us were going to have a safe environment so we also required all of our guests who were joining us to actually book their table for breakfast prior to their arrival in the hotel. So now we were able to spread breakfast out over the three hours of service that we would normally have offered, where everybody comes down at the last moment. You've got 100 people coming in at whatever, 10.30 to have breakfast. Now they were spread out from eight o'clock to 11. And that helped us greatly then in terms of productivity, in terms of staffing. It ensured that far better guest experience. It helped the kitchen in terms of being able to really focus on putting out wonderful dishes. It took all the stress out of the kitchen. So, yeah, uh, the the beauty of it was that our flow through to the bottom line over breakfast was increased. Guests had a better experience and staff morale uh, went up. So we will we'll, we'll open again the same way. You know, we won't make any changes to that. We'll just, keep on trying to do it better.
1: Okay, we'll be right back to the conversation after a short break.
2: Fulcher
0: Ireland's new Breakfast Toolkit contains expert advice and practical tools that are applicable to all areas of food and service. You can find the Breakfast Toolkit and more helpful supports and guidance on the Operational Performance section under Strategic F&B Operations on our COVID-19 Business Support Hub at falcherireland.ie.
1: Yeah, now people are staying much more local obviously what they have to at the moment and um you know there's People are, people are going to be vacationing at home and restaurants and hotels are likely to have much more local custom. And if, if you want to get keep people coming in regularly, you really do need to be changing your menus a lot more often, don't you?
2: Yeah,
0: for, for sure. Yeah. And I think probably probably a great way in doing that is is having as having really fantastic core based recipes that can that can evolve all the time. So, you know, when I develop a recipe, I develop it with it in mind that it's going to change throughout the season. It's going to, throughout the seasons and, but the core is there. So your core food cost is done for that, but you might be only changing one ingredient. And I think. I think that's key uh, and I also find that when you're when you're developing menus if you're evolving them all the time it's so much easier to be innovative than if you were to change them, change them every, like twice a year or three yeah. times a year it comes uh, a big chore then it does yeah and, and and it's never done properly it's never taught out but I think I think as menus evolve and the, the small changes and there's an ingredient change and something out of season you replace it with something else I think I think it's just it's just a natural flow, and it, it takes so much pressure off the kitchen, but your menus are continuously evolving. But your core-based base costs are there. You know your costs, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you change an ingredient, and it's maybe uh, a slightly uh, cheaper food cost uh, because the ingredient, and it's always best to work within the seasons. But my, I guess for me, it would be, it would be really developing your core-based recipes that really work and that have been costed, and you're evolving them all the time.
1: Niall, I suppose just on the takeaway topic, is there anything in particular to to bear in mind in terms of engineering menus for for takeaway and delivery?
0: Uh, I I guess there is. Stay true to your brand, um, and yeah. because your 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 customers and guests are going to want the same experience uh, at home, and so you got You got to be true to to what you guys do. But I guess the first of all is 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 really kind of looking at the demand of of what what demand is and do your market research behind that. Also have a look at dishes that, are, that have that scalability so that you can scale them up. So you're, again, it, it goes back to, 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 to driving efficiencies within, within the kitchen. And then thirdly, it's having a look at if those dishes are deliverable and how do they reheat. So you know, product testing, I think, is, is crucial. And you know, I would always say that you, your chefs take home the, the, the product and test it in a domestic oven. Because you've got you to remember, it's 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 you're in somebody's house with, with this food, you know. So, you know, I I think, you know, when you're writing up the instructions, you're reheating instructions, or if it's a finishing instructions, that this is done from home and it's tested from home. And then that way, then there's no surprises, you know. So th- they'd probably be the three areas that I'd have a look at.
1: Okay, guys. So t- to wrap up, from all of your experience and considering everything that we've been talking about, can you give me... Quickly, your top tips for every business listening. What do they need to be thinking about? What do they need to be implementing?
2: I'll go first. <laughs> uh, measure, 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 measure. Try, try things, measure. And then if it's not working, cut without mercy. To do this, you need to be able to pull your weekly and monthly menu item reports.
0: For me, information is key. Just like, for, you know, th- that's where you're going to be able to react. So know your costs. So know your true cost of your dishes. And that way then you can really kind of focus on what needs to be done.
2: Yeah. And like that, you need to involve then your restaurant manager, your chef, your waiters, because ultimately these are the people who are going to be presenting whatever all the work that you're doing to the guests on the menu.
0: Knowing your market is key, knowing where the demand is and really focus on, on giving the customer what they want.
2: Yep. Know your contribution margin of every item. Know your overall food cost. You know, these are the key things that are going to make or break you.
0: And invest your time in upskilling your staff. Train them. Give them the tools to be able to do the job properly.
2: Yeah, look at the work that Niall has done. Uh, Know your stars, your puzzles, your plough horses, your dogs. All of these things on your menu are crucial to your success.
0: And have scheduled sessions in in menu engineering. Put this in the calendar where all your chefs sit down together as a team and analyse.
2: Yep. Share, share all the information with your team. Ultimately, these are the people who are going to be using it.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much. That's absolutely just really, really fascinating insights there. And thank you so much, uh, Fergus, for coming along and sharing your experiences. And Niall, as al- always, thank you for your, your expertise. Um, that brings us to the end of episode two of Fall Ireland's Inside Tourism Business Podcast. You'll find many of the tools referenced throughout this discussion in the operational performance section of Fulcher Ireland's COVID-19 Business Support Hub on falcherireland.ie. We're back next time with more expert advice and insights on how to run an efficient food operation when we will take a fresh look at food costs. Niall will be joining us once again, along with Mark Anderson, Culinary Director of and Gather. Thanks again to Niall and Fergus for joining us today and for sharing their insights. And thanks to you for listening in. Goodbye.
2: Thank you. Pleasure, honour, stay safe. The Inside
0: Tourism Business Podcast is brought to you by Faulcha Ireland, the National Tourism Development Authority. Subscribe now on your favourite streaming platform and join us next time for more expert advice and insights.